What is going on, friends? Thank you for joining us for the New Vision Podcast. We here at New Vision believe that the gospel transforms lives. So we're going to take an opportunity to open up God's word and see what he has to say so that we can take the best next step to become more like Jesus. Hey guys, we're back in Judges. Cloud with you here, and we're continuing on. Uh, I'm in chapter 6 today. That's where we're picking up. Now, if any of you have been at New Vision for, for a while, I think about four or five years ago, maybe it's been long, I can't remember, but at some point we've done just the story of Gideon as a sermon series, just his story as a judge. And so that's kind of where we're picking up today. So if you've been at New Vision for a long time, this may be familiar ground, but for some of us who uh, are, are unfamiliar with it or... or just haven't looked at it in a while. It's going to be, hey, cool. Let, let's uh, let's see it in the big picture of the book of Judges. And so that's what we're doing. We're going verse by verse. We went all the way through Joshua, and since Judges is the follow-up story to that, we're continuing on. And so we've seen in multiple days before this that there's this cycle, and God's showing Israel something, His chosen people. He's showing them that over and over again, you keep sinning, you keep asking for deliverance. I save you, and you get worse. Right there's this, this cycle and it happens over and over again and so he raises up uh, when he takes pity on Israel for their sin and their their grief. Um, my dad used to say, uh, "Stupid hurts," <laughs> and it should. <laughs> I mean, it's a little crass, but that's essentially what's happening here. God, God's just kind of letting Israel do what it most wants to do, sin, and it keeps getting worse. But then he he feels pity on them that they're, and they're crying out, "Save us, save us!" And so he sends a judge. And today we're, we're starting off with this next cycle that God is going to raise up Gideon. But before we do that, let's look at just verses 1 through 10. And so that's where I'm sticking, up, sticking with today. Keely's going to be with us tomorrow to talk about more of this story. Uh, but this is this, just the very beginning of that cycle. And I think God's got something very, very unique for us here in, in Judges chapter 6. And so I'm going to go ahead and read this. Judges chapter 6, just the first 10 verses, and I usually read out of the ESV, so that's what we're doing. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites And the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted so that they laid waste to the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you out of Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. 
And that's it. That's the introduction to chapter six. Now, you know, this is, is, is recording, you know, it's probably the worst oppression yet. I know many of us are watching the news and seeing uh, the Ukrainian crisis and war. You know, it's just it's these terrible sights. So that's kind of what's happening. And it's the worst one yet because, you know, the Israelites are forced to leave their homes and they're preparing shelters for themselves. They're literally hiding in little crops in the mountains. Um, and their whole, I mean, that's pretty much being overwhelmed, right? So as harsh as this story is, and it's like, this is the worst oppression yet, right? The Israelite crisis of the Midianite campaign, right? I think as harsh as it is, there's a couple things that we can learn. And so at this point, I just read the first 10 verses. At this point, you know, we're expecting the judges cycle to continue. And it's been the same. It's like they sin, God raises up a judge, and he saves them, and then they sin, and then God raises up a judge, and then he said, you know. So, but this time, in verse 8, we see something a little bit different. Verse 8, the Lord sent a prophet. The Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel, and he said to them, and then he has this long quote. And so, the first point I put uh, as, as things that we can kind of learn from this particular introduction, before we even talk about Gideon, right, just the introduction to Judges chapter 6, those first 10 verses, the first thing is that we need an altar call before salvation. We need an altar call before salvation. So before Israel can truly appreciate the rescue that God's going to bring to them, they really need to understand, like fully grapple with why they need rescuing in the first place. And so that's why God sends a prophet. Now, this is an unnamed prophet. We don't know, but he has this message, and it's basically, you have not obeyed me. Like, I saved you, and you abandoned me. And so Keely's going to spend some more time on this tomorrow, but, you know, as a subpoint to this, we need an altar call before salvation is a reminder that we continually sin against God. I mean, we continually do it over and over again. You have not obeyed my voice. Now, I think we should be careful because I think a lot of these stories, obviously we're we're reading this as Christians. If you're a Christian this morning, you know, you put your faith and trust in Christ, then you are perfect positionally in God's eyes. Like you have, it's just as if you've never sinned and just as if you've always obeyed, you're in Christ. But the Christian still struggles with sin. And so we saw a lot of that story uh, paralleled in, in Joshua, the book of Joshua. And so I don't want to, as we continue to see these cycles just constantly beat up you, you know, us, the listener, uh, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, like, because th- I don't think that's necessarily the message, but that's part of it. We continue to sin. That's not our identity, but we sin. You sin, you sin, you sin. I was on uh, my social media feeds the other day, and I saw this, I, I should pull it up and quote it to you, but I saw this, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but it was like a Tim Keller thing, and... He said something really interesting, and, and I've heard this concept before, but I like how he kind of worded it. He was like, you know, sometimes we need to repent of our repentance, right? Which s- sounds silly, and I know repentance is a big churchy word, but basically that means to turn, to, to agree with God that sin is sin, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn away from it. Repentance isn't never sinning. Repentance is making war on sin. So he's saying uh, sometimes we need to repent from our repentance, So, which is interesting because I think that's true for, uh, for the Christian who's listening to this. Not necessarily a direct parallel to Israel, although we do have idols in our lives. I think sometimes when we, we don't have idols in our lives, we're like, hey, well, at least I'm not like Israel and uh, I'm doing pretty good and I'm not like that guy over there. And, you know, like we, you know, that's pride. 
And so we cannot sin, right? But in our in our motivation, in our heart of hearts, there's sin in the not sinning, which I know that's very assuring for you this morning. It's like, well, gee whiz, Clyde, like how can I ever not sin? And so the point is, we are we sin all the time, even when we're not overtly sinning. We got to check our heart and our motives to figure out are we are we taking pride and doing that in our own flesh and our own power and is God getting glory from this and it's like there's ditches on either side and so I think that's that's just a practical application that we as Christians listening to this story can 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 hear uh, verse ten you have not obeyed my voice are we putting our faith and trust in God fully and then you know, walking a life of faith and godliness in his power and making war on sin. We need an altar call before salvation. We need to know what we need to be rescued of before God rescues us and, and agree with him. That's called repentance. And so the second point I wrote is what's really interesting in this story is that God will even use unbelievers in our lives to show us our sin, right? So we need an altar call before salvation so we know what we need to be rescued of. That's sin. And then number two, God will even use unbelievers to show us that sin, right? And uh, it's pretty overt in this text. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. That's why he did it. He purposely did it. He gave Israel into the hand of Midian. Verse three, for whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Verse six, so they laid waste to the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. So God purposed this. God raised up these unbelievers to discipline Israel, which is amazing. So, like, I've said this before, but if you were with us in Joshua, and, and a lot of people do have a problem with God using, say, one nation to, to be an, a form of discipline upon these other nations and those wars and, and you know, all that well, God's not playing favorites with his holiness and, you know, his justice. So now he's upset with Israel and they're sinning. And so God uses Midian and the Amalekites as his, their arm of judgment to, to discipline his people. Again, it's not in spite, it's in love. And so he's judging sin, and that's one of the most loving things God can do. And now he's disciplining his own people. And so I, I think, I, I, here's a really good quote. I, Mil, Milton Vincent said this. Uh, he has a great book. It's called The Gospel Primer. But he said, When I am sinned against, my heart is chastened and made wiser by the tangible depiction of what I myself have done to God on numerous occasions. I'll read it again. When I am sinned against, my heart is chastened, or somber, you could say. My heart is chastened and made wiser by the tangible depiction of what I myself have done to God on numerous occasions. And so that's why we can see, like, this is a horrible thing that's happening, right? But God's using it, he purposed it for good, to discipline his own people. And that happens in our life as Christians. That's not necessarily to say that, well, we do one thing and so God's going to pay us back, because sometimes we're, we're not sinning or doing anything wrong for God to discipline us. Right? He's, he's changing us and growing character. We see that all through the New Testament. But when someone sins against us, a lot of theologians and preachers 
will sometimes describe this as something called a sanctifying burden, right? So now you have an opportunity to forgive or to, like as Milton Vincent says, to, to just realize just how much of a sinner you are, right? When someone sins against us, we need to have that kind of somber, like introspective look of, yeah, this is bad, right? The, what the Midianites and the Malachites are doing is wrong. We're not saying it's not wrong. It is wrong. It is sin against me. But I do that against God, don't I? Every day in my heart, all the time, constantly. And thank God for Christ because I need help with my sin. And so if we see this as a sanctifying burden that God is disciplining Israel to, to make them better so that they'll turn to him, that he's giving them an altar call before he raises up a judge, that, that, that's their salvation. That's the big idea that Judges brings about because after all the things that God has done, we still sin against him. And Israel is no better than the Canaanites. We said a couple of days ago, they brought their sin with them into the promised land. And so I think as we see this as Christians, we watch the story of the history of Israel and say, but for the grace of God, so go I, because that's what Judges ultimately points to. And I saw us going through the book of Judges, you know, Easter's coming up. And so these stories are hope-fulfilled stories. Like, yes, it's a cycle that repeats over and over, but it asks that question, what's going to happen? Like, how, this cycle can't go on indefinitely, right? They keep getting worse. Eventually, God's, I mean, he's just, he's going to run out of patience. Like, we're, they're no, no better than the, than the Canaanites, right? And so how, how do they respond? Well, Israel's history proves that. They eventually get exiled, right? We'll get there one day. But the question is, how do we respond? And so when we see this story, this cycle, as we will continue to see in the days that follow, is that we need a new heart. We need a new spirit to empower us to not sin, to make war on sin. And this cycle that the book of Joshua and Judges gives us is a small glimpse of the fact that Jesus will complete the cycle. He will be the ultimate salvation to give us that new heart. We won't get worse at the end of our salvation. We will be with him in eternity, perfect because of his substitutionary sacrifice on the cross for us. Ultimately, this points to Jesus. That is practical for you guys this morning. I hope so. Anything that points to Jesus is practical, right? And so y'all take this and be ready for the rest of the, the Gideon story when God raises up a judge and see what happens as we continue these cycles through the book of Judges. Y'all stick with it and we'll see you back on Monday. Thank you guys for joining us for the New Vision Podcast. As always, we hope that you heard a word from the Lord and that you can better walk and reflect Christ in your everyday steps. To find out more information about New Vision, you can go to newvisionlife.com or follow us on Instagram at newvisionlife. Again, we're for you, we love you, and we look forward to seeing you back here on Monday.